0: Hello, welcome to another episode of the Project Purple podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder and CEO of Project Purple. And today we're back in the podcast studio and we've got a special episode for you all. It's pretty special for us to be here in the studio putting this episode together. And really this is hopefully a, a series of episodes that we put out over the next couple of weeks, but. This is really a testament to the four years that we've had this podcast. The Project Purple podcast has been around for four years and we are closing in on almost 200 guests over four years for the Project Purple podcast. And and in that time, you know, the, the podcast has been something when I had this idea and producer Sam came on board, something that just really grew and thank you to everyone at home and Uh, afar for listening and supporting the podcast over the last four years. It's been an incredible journey. And we've had some amazing guests on the podcast. Just to give you an idea of of what the podcast has done over the last four years, as I said, we're closing in on almost 200 guests, over 50,000 plays, and we've become the number one podcast focused on pancreatic cancer in the podcasting world. So really, really special to be here today to bring this special episode. And again, as I said, over the four years, we've interviewed so many survivors uh, as part of our guests. And um, one thing that we wanted to do with this special episode, it's always been about raising awareness and bringing positive stories to the world and to our community. And one thing that we have found over the last four years is that a lot of stories from our survivors in terms of how they were diagnosed, was really different. So what we wanted to do here is share the signs and the symptoms from some of our top podcast episodes with our survivors. So over the next 30 minutes or so, you're going to hear from previous guests on what their onset was in terms of their symptoms. Because at the end of the day, the more awareness that we bring to the world on pancreatic cancer, the more awareness that we bring to people that eventually may be diagnosed, that listen to this podcast and hear a former guest talk about how they were diagnosed or the symptoms that they had that led to that diagnosis. This is power in what we do and how we raise awareness and how we change the playing field for those battling pancreatic cancer. So with that thank you for listening thank you for supporting us over the last four years and we hope you enjoy this episode
1: yeah well for me i mean the onset of symptoms you know were pretty mild at first um two things that i kind of looked back later and i was like well that was kind of odd uh, like i hate blackberries i just like that because i think it was like the nastiest berry that was out there hmm. but that summer earlier on that summer once i started noticing when i'm on our trail runs i noticed the berries were ripe and i just started and i was like yeah hey, i'll have one of these and i was like craving these things every time i went out to run hmm. so I was, I was running eating blackberries as i'm running you know hydrating i got my snacks and my run vest and I was like, well, maybe blackberries aren't so bad. And I got to where I enjoyed them and I started eating a bunch of these blackberries. And you know, later on, I find out when I'm doing research on nutrition and pancreatic cancer, like blackberries is like one of the big things that, you know, in a natural world as a food item helps like pancreatic cancer specifically. So it's like, what's my body trying to tell me, hey, you're missing something here? <laughs> There's a problem going on and we're trying to compensate. I don't know. Uh, I noticed that, uh, my bowel movements, uh, for weeks, uh, prior to, uh, my diagnosis, you know, maybe even like a couple of months, I just wasn't really that concerned with it because there was no pain. But my stool color was like really light in color, almost white sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the mm-hmm. heck is that all about? Mm-hmm. Which you know, is a big I, one. Yeah. I, that's, that's. Yeah. I was like going through my head. What am I eating? Yep. I'm not hydrating enough, you know, Da da da, da I, it didn't really register because there wasn't any pain involved with it. You know, and I was still able to go around, you know, doing my daily stuff. I worked third shift, which is 2 to 10. And, you know, it's only 15 minutes from work. And then I'd get home, be asleep at midnight, up at 7.38. And I'd start my routine, you know, I'd do my stretches and, and roll out. And then I'd go run for a few hours uh, before work and so other you know other than the bowel movements and the maybe the craving for black the you know, sudden craving for blackberry and maybe that was something that i should have paid more attention to you know honestly i uh, i went for i felt so good and i was feeling so strong that i had i kind of like ignored going in for the annual checkup for 3 years in a row mm-hmm. like why do i need to go get checked out i'm doing great and uh and i you know I don't know if that would have made a difference or not. You know, no, hindsight's always twenty it.
0: twenty, right? We can always we can sit here probably yeah. debate this till next year about annual checkups and stuff. I, I think the one thing yeah. though that's that's fascinating, Glenn, is like, you know, you said a couple things, and I I, I think as you, as we are living here, right. And listen, we've got this COVID pandemic that we're all living through. Right. And I think things happen and you just go through life. And if you're running and you feel good and training is plugging away, people don't think about these other things. Right. And that's, that's part of the awareness that I think we have to be more keen of. Right.
2: It was actually Thanksgiving time, and um, uh, what happened was I had some symptoms. I was I was one of the lucky ones that was able to recognize that something was going on. I had some pain in my back, and I had some nausea, and what led me to finally get to the doctor and do something about it was I was going to Omaha every Friday to visit my, my father and, to have dinner with him, and... It got to the point where I was so carsick, I couldn't go. <laughs> I finally wow. said, you know, something is wrong here. You know, I don't usually get carsick and nausea and things like that. So anyway, went to the doctor um, thinking it might have been a gallstone or something like that. Who knows? Anyway, um, did a quick ultrasound. And as I was driving back to work, I got a call from the uh, doctor's office saying, can you come back? We have, We have found something. And I live in the town of Lincoln, which you can drive across in 15 minutes from any direction. So, <laughs> you know, that was, it was pretty shocking to get that call that quickly. So anyway, I went back and, um, had a CT scan right then. And, and that's when they, uh, found the tumor, uh, or, you know, confirmed the tumor on the pancreas. Um, so, um, about a month later, a little over a month, I went in and had the Whipple procedure and, um was hopeful that everything it seems like actually like every almost everything was taken um so i was sailing through um the procedure and hopefully you know that was going to be the end of it i'm i got to say that wasn't truly sailing through the uh whipple was a tough tough surgery to go through and i was out of work for about 3 months uh, recovering from that but um then fast forward um, 4 years later I, uh, found out that, um, unfortunately it had come back and it's moved on to my liver. Hmm. So I am now doing, you know, after, for that, uh, observation, I'm now, um, I had some more surgery and then about six months later from that, they have started me on a new monthly treatment with, uh, Uh, lanreotide and so that's what I'm currently um, doing Um, and it looks again very good that um, the um, lesions in my liver have stabilized Hmm. so I am like I said in the beginning one of the lucky ones that was so this is my story the way I look at it I was one of the lucky ones because I caught it early Mm -hmm. was able to get in and get that uh, procedure done and um, take out the tumor, uh, and then just, you know, have, you know, one, one step back is this, this, mis- uh, um, metastasization, I guess you'd say to the liver. But again, I caught that early and have been able to, um, have one surgery to address, um, one of the issues put down on these treatments that, hopefully we'll continue. And my doctors are really positive about the long-term prognosis with, with what I've got right now. So I guess that's, that's the short, maybe not too short, but that's the story. That's my story. And I, um, I don't know if you have any questions. I got a couple of questions here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I got a whole timeline here. So (laughs) I want to back up to the very beginning. Okay. Sure. Uh-huh. So you said around Thanksgiving 2015, it sounds like five years yeah. ago. So you uh-huh. said you had this pain and nausea. And yes. I know you described the nausea as kind of like getting in the car and having like that car sickness. But the pain, was that like an abdominal pain or back pain or where was that pain kind of centralized?
2: Yeah, that was back pain. Back definitely. pain. Uh-huh. Yeah. And in an in a, in a unusual yeah location I had never felt before. So. It was, yeah, more than I could say was just a, you know, passing thing, so.
3: In the, in the kind of fortnight leading up to the the day of my diagnosis, which was the 19th, we had some friends over and that day I'd been to the gym and I just couldn't finish my workout. I didn't really know why. Just didn't fancy it um went home had dinner that night which I ate well and then I woke up in the morning they were all going out for breakfast and I just didn't want to go with them I didn't want to get out of bed I didn't want to eat anything um and probably for the following week I barely ate anything um and my urine went increasingly dark although I knew I was hydrated and I remember I think it was on on the Tuesday of, of the week in which I was admitted to hospital. I said, I said to my husband, do you think I'm going yellow? And he said, no, I don't think so. You know, husbands, um, don't notice if you've got your haircut. don't notice if you're going yellow. Um, I said, no, I don't think so. Uh, and then the Thursday of that week, I went to my GP. Um, I gave her a urine sample, which looked like, stewed tea without the milk in. So like black tea. It was dark and I knew that I was hydrated. She sent me home with antibiotics, telling me I had a urinary tract infection. And I thought, no I haven't. <laughs> that is not true. Um I know the symptoms of a UTI and this is not it. Um so that was the Thursday. But Saturday morning my daughter had a dance show, Christmas dance show I really wanted to go. But when I looked in the mirror in the morning, I absolutely my eyes were yellow, and I said to my husband, "Right, let's. I'm going to come to this dance show. Um, and I called we we've got an emergency, a, a kind of semi emergency phone line in the UK. So nine 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 is if you're dying, um, and we have one one one, which is I think I might possibly be dying, but not immediately." um so I called 111 and they and they said right we'll get you to uh, an out of our doctor which we did and he agreed with me it wasn't a UTI and the next morning I called again I was even more yellow uh and they admitted me to hospital so and then four days later I, I got the diagnosis though you know Dino, when I look back so that's the acute window when I look back I think I have had symptoms of pancreatic cancer that if I had known about them, go back five years at least. So I went to my GP, my general practitioner, which is a kind of um, doctor in in the UK, and with fatigue. It started with fatigue, but it was around the time that my dad had died. Um, He had esophageal cancer and they kind of put it down to having a toddler and grief and all that sort of stuff. I went back with fatigue. They tested me for thyroid. They tested me for sleep apnea. They tested me for celiac. I was also getting bloating. And then none of those came back. And I think they just basically said, well, we've looked at all the obvious things. You're, you're in your late, 30s, you know, you're in your thirties. Um, you've got a young child. You're very busy time to look at lifestyle factors and sent me packing really. Um, and I think the one that would possibly have joined the dots is to have asked me very unambiguously about my uh, about my my poo I mean in the UK we say poo I know you say poop um uh, if my doctor had asked me really unambiguous questions rather than euphemisms like how how are your bowels how are your motions and um has there been any change those sort of non-specific vague questions I think if I'd been asked very specific questions about the color, the consistency, the frequency, whether it flushed away or not, I think we would have got that.
4: But I first started having what I look back as a symptom, is we went down to, uh, in December of, of 2018, we went down to Nashville, you know, and, and, you know, went down and did the whole Nashville thing. And one of the things that my son and I were always talking about is, you know, we wanted to get some Nashville hot chicken (laughs) and I've always been a huge fan of hot food. So, you know, I got this Nashville hot chicken and I knew it was going to be hot, but uh, you know, that night after eating it, it just, you know, My stomach hurt and, you know, I'm laying on the bed in the hotel room and, you know, I just, you know, it it just seemed out of the ordinary and I really didn't think much about it, you know, and then we get back and, you know, we, I'm a, I was a high school teacher at the time and the first day back, uh, you know, I didn't feel good and I went to school and I went home a half a day,
1: Hmm.
4: the second half of the day and, you know, I really, you know, I just thought, you know, a stomach ache, flu, I don't know. You know, so the next day I went to school and I'm in my first period class. And two of the girls in my, you know, little ninth graders, they look at me and they go, hey, you don't look right, Mr. Check, <laughs> you know, your coloring is bad. They go, you look kind of yellowish orange and I go well I didn't really notice anything so then I got to walk around the whole school and I'm looking you know asking my wife hey because she teaches the same school do I look orange or do I look yellow you know and she, you know she she goes ah maybe so I went around and I talked to people and you know the they said the same thing so you know basically I went to the doctor you know I, I went to the emergency room and you know, eventually they'd ran all the tests on me and, you know, they, I was trying to get into one of the major, you know, big hospitals in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. And eventually I got, I got shipped there and they did all the tests and, um, you know, I had, I had jaundice and they eventually put a stent in and they diagnosed me with pancreatic cancer on, on uh, January 10th of 2019.
5: So I started having, um, digestive issues, uh, in my, probably my mid to late twenties. I I'm, I'm going to be 55 this next month. Um, and I just thought it was either normal or it wasn't really something, unless you're dealing with a digestive disorder or you have pancreatic cancer, you really don't talk about your bathroom issues really with anyone. And I'm really close to my mom and my mom didn't even know. So that just kind of tells you I was kind of in the closet with these digestive issues. And, um, you know, I never really thought anything of it. And when I turned 50, I did my colonoscopy and I thought everything's good. I'm not going to say anymore because I thought if there was anything, you know, I never really put digestive with the pancreas. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I, I understand the pancreas function, but not now. I know a lot. So, um, you know, fast forward. I you know went through a couple years of uh, you know, you know, several years of the digestive issues. But I would want to say probably back in 2019, I started noticing um, some really weird things. Like my skin would hurt. Um, I would get extreme fatigue, like to the point of I would be so lifeless that I couldn't even lift my arms off the bed when I would be hmm. like trying to go to sleep. And that was not common because I'm a very active person. And so, you know, I reached out to my doctor and I kind of told him, you know, my skin hurts on my arms. I, you know, I just don't understand what's going on. And he was like, you know, he kind of shrugged it off a little bit. And I didn't really think anything of it. But in the meantime, my, my husband and I had purchased a home from the 1900s and we rebuilt it. So we tore, all the insides out and rebuilt it. We did it on a very fast timeline. We did most of the work ourselves. And so I was thinking, maybe this house is making me sick. You know, it, it, it coincided right with with the timing of us moving and getting the house done. And so I was trying to put two and two together. And and then I just, you know, I never brought it up again to my doctor, but in August of um, 2019, i Never had an attack. They gave me the meds and sent me on my way, and I was fine. And then I had another attack in January of 2020, and the the attack hit me pretty quick. So I went, you know, to the doctor, and they could see that I was pretty uncomfortable. And I had been traveling overseas. Um, I had been to France a couple times, uh, and. I'm not sure if I had COVID mixed in with this. It Hmm. was before they, you know, that we really had it in America, but we had people from China in our office that week. And so, you know, I had a a pretty high fever and I had some other things going on. So I thought, you know, I thought I had the flu and she said, no, it's just the diverticulitis. We're not going to scan you because you're so miserable. And they sent me home with some meds and I took my meds. And by by Thursday, the pain was still there. It wasn't as severe, but I thought this isn't, this isn't normal. So I called my doctor and he said, you know, get to the ER and they'll scan you. So they did a CT scan and the doctor came in and said, you know, it's diverticulitis. And he said, eh, we could cont- you know, contemplate keeping you. And that question prompted like, how bad could this be? You know, I've been mm-hmm. on medication for like a week and he picked up the report and he started reading through it and he said, have you ever had problems with great You know, I said, no. Oh. Said, are you sure? You know, no pain. You know, because if you if, if if you have problems, you would know you would it, it, the pain would be so bad that you would be, you know, in the ER with it. And I said, no, I haven't had any 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 issues at all. And he goes, well, you have a pretty large calcification on your pancreas and it's atrophied um, hmm. severe atrophy, as a matter of fact. And I said, OK, so, you know, I was getting you know upset because um, as we spoke earlier, I've known uh, my coach passed away from pancreatic cancer co-worker had just passed away from pancreatic cancer and I thought you know when you get the diagnosis of something's wrong with your pancreas it it becomes like a big red flag and the the sirens go off so I you know went home and called my doctor and like at eight o'clock the next morning and he got me in that afternoon and and he basically um you know, said this is fairly serious. And he, he asked me, you know, he basically told me uh, that I needed to stop my drinking. And I kind of <laughs> was puzzled and said, okay, like, kind of question mark. And, you know, he came back with, you're, I'm serious. This is like really serious stuff. And he was kind of painting me like Frank from Shameless. And I, <laughs> I was kind of getting a little defensive and a little uncomfortable. And I said, it's really not a big deal, you know, and he said, you know, you used to take really good care of yourself. You used to run, you used to do yoga. What, what the hell happened? And I said, I'm still that person. Like mm. nothing's changed. And basically just said, well, we'll scan you in six months and see where you are. And he sent me on my way and I, I got home and I was, you know, kind of perplexed by this. And I had said to my husband, like, do you, I think i drink that much and he was <laughs> like there's no way in heck you do like like he's and we were watching shameless at the time yeah. so he, he was like that's like what drink that's that's a condition that he would be in yeah. so i i sat and i sat you know i was working and i sat there and I, I i called my doctor and i said i really want a gastroenterologist and i want a dietitian. Mm-hmm. and he basically wouldn't refer a dietitian. and he said no to the gastro uh, the gastroenterologist that he gave me to had a a one-star review and I thought gosh my pancreas deserves better than this it really does and so I just called University of Michigan and said I just have some questions and they literally I mean I literally had an MRI and a scan like a couple days before this and they literally were able to look up my scan like literally while I sat on the phone and they said we'll get you in next week. So I went in with my mom and my husband by my side so they could defend my lifestyle. And we marched into the University of Michigan and I talked to their pancreatic specialist and she said, you know, there's a lot of factors that feed into pancreatitis and, you know, it's genetic and there could be other factors. So we never really go down that road of, you know, heavy drinking. And we can usually tell by other medical factors of a person, you know, so, so they, they believe my story. And so they did some testing. They did some genetic testing. They ran a bunch of labs and um, they felt that the scans that were presented were of good quality and they were going to reread my scans. And you know, off I went and I saw a dietitian that day, got all my blood work done. Well, as my blood work was coming in, um, everything was coming back normal. My tumor markers, my CA-19, my curmagenin A was coming in. Everything was completely like by the book. Perfect lab results. So, kind of relieved, and you know, thought with you know some dietary changes, I could just you know everything would be fine. And um, I had, I think, I had just the genetic testing to come through. And I forgot about them rereading my scan. And one day at about four o'clock, I got my scan back, my the reread, and my initial scan said that there was, um, you know, there was no lesions, no tumors nothing on the pancreas it was just a hard calcification and atrophy and when the u of m read reread my scan it came back with lesions tumors possible malignancy uh biopsy suggested immediately
0: thank you for listening to this special episode of the project purple podcast as we said in our opening This has been an amazing journey. Thank you to all our listeners for liking, sharing, and listening to our weekly podcast. Over four years, we've had over 50,000 views, closing in on 200 episodes, and we've become the number one podcast focused on pancreatic cancer. We hope you learned something today, and feel free to share this episode. Please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts, and thank you for listening. That's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple Podcast.